Welcome to the Lost Tapes of History podcast. You're about to eavesdrop on the first 10 minutes of a private conversation between a Tudor personality and, frankly, someone just trying to do their job. The date is July 1588 and Queen Elizabeth is on the throne. The Spanish Armada is anchored in Calais and there is one final attack plan to see them off. Before Sir Francis can leave on his mission to attack, his ship must pass its annual inspection. Uh, Captain Drake? Technically, I'm a Vice Admiral. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I thought everyone in charge of a boat was called Captain. <laughs> it, it's not a boat, it's a ship. Is it? Oh, I've not done a health and safety inspection on a ship before. Or anything that floats for that matter. Does that mean it's going to take longer? It's just that we have the Spanish Armada to beat. Oh, is there a football match on today? I didn't realise. Do you know anything about sailing at all? Or the war we're currently in with the Spanish? Uh, in a word, no. Right. Well... Just briefly, the Spanish have anchored in the neutral French port of Calais. We plan to send in fire ships. Hang on. I don't know what they are, but the words fire and ships are making me nervous from a health and safety perspective. No, 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 no one's on board. We just set them on fire and point them in their direction. What happens then? They will either be forced to get out of Calais or we'll ground them on the shoals. If we can get them to scatter to the northeast, we can get after them. Well, I'll be as quick as I can. Uh, now then, this hatch here, does it always have to be open? Well, if you want to get below decks, it does, yeah. But people could fall down it. So, let's close that up. Ow! Yeah, that's going to happen a lot. OK, now, uh, this rope here. It's not a rope, it's a sheet. What? It's not called a rope, it's called a sheet. Well, what's this then? It looks like a sheet. It's a sail. This is a minefield, isn't it? Um, well, whatever this is, can you get it out of the way? Well, not really, no. We need that sheet. Okay. Um, so what are these? Cannonballs. And what are they for? Firing at the Spanish. I imagine they're quite painful if dropped on your foot. Yes. But don't ask me to get rid of them. We need them. What for? Well, the English prefer to fight at a distance. We fire cannon low into the Spanish ships. And why do we do that? Well, the objective is to kill or maim the crew or disable the ship so it can be boarded. Or they have to surrender. Do you have buoyancy aids? Life jackets? What? Oh, I don't want to hear of people drowning. English or Spanish. By God's faith, I don't believe this. Are we going to beat them? The Spanish have more manpower than we do, but we're better sailors, and our ships are faster, better armed, and manned by professional gunners, so I still think we have the advantage. Okay. Have all these professional uh, gunners, as you put it, received induction training? How to lift a cannonball by bending the knees, for example? No, 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 we don't have a professional navy. We aren't well-trained naval officers. 
What? We're a bunch of traders, explorers, privateers, and seamen. We've picked up tactics over the years of sailing. We don't do induction training. Well, that's going to be a recommendation in the report straight away. What about you, then? What's your background? I was born in Tavistock in Devon. Isn't that a place that's in the middle of the county? The furthest away from either coast? Yes, but my father left them for Kent. We lived in the hull of a ship, a hulk moored on the River Medway, near Gillingham. Kent is pretty much old coast. I did my apprenticeship there. Well, at least you had some training. Uh, now, uh, what's that? It's an astrolabe. And what does it do? It's a navigation aid. Do you need it? Well, the English are a little behind other countries in terms of geographical understanding. We're not masters of ocean-going navigation. Oh, really? The ability to fix a position wherever you are in the ocean demands a lot of skill. I rely on dead reckoning. What's that? And who's dead? It's the relationship of the estimated speed of the ship to the time you've kept on a particular course or bearing. Eh? Uh, you check the latitude by looking at the stars, or the meridian altitude of the sun with an astrolabe. Not everyone can do it, you know. You lost me at meridian altitude. Um, uh, what's this here? It's a lantern. Is it a good idea to have fire so near something made entirely out of wood? How would you like us to see at night, exactly? Is it absolutely necessary to be moving around at night? That's how we got the Spanish in the first place. How do you mean? Fire beacons on the hilltops carried the warning that the Armada approached. At first sight, 125 ships formed a front of two miles. Don't get me started on the fire beacons. The Spanish moored up for the night in Plymouth, thinking they were blocking us in. During the night, I blew out the lanterns, so we sailed round them in the darkness. And what happened then? At dawn, they woke up to find us behind them, ready to attack. Oh, clever. Sneaky, some might say. I built a career on sneaky. Long career, is it? The old man with whom I did my apprenticeship died, and because he had no children, willed his bark to me. And before you ask, a bark is a small boat. Oh, right. I sold the bark and took some of the men with me to Plymouth, where I contacted my kinsman, William and John Hawkins, who owned ships. Why do I recognise that name? I'd always been inspired by the exploits of John Hawkins, sailing faraway seas, stealing from the Spanish in their own waters. You've never liked the Spanish, have you? No. The Hawkins brothers made me a purser on one of their trips to northeast Spain. What's a purser? It's the representative of the owner on board the ship. The owners don't sail on the missions themselves. Oh, I see. I dealt with all the financial aspects, paying the crews, discharging custom duties, accounting cargo, that sort of thing. Quite a good start for a pirate. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who's a pirate? I'm not a pirate. Aren't you? I thought you conducted raids and plundered ships. That may be, but I'm not a pirate. I'm a privateer. What's the difference? One's legal and the other isn't. You've lost me. A privateer is someone authorised by government to raid enemy ships during wartime. 
spoils of war. So you have to have authorization. Not necessarily. What does that mean? Sometimes Queen Elizabeth doesn't want to put things down in writing. There's no official authority. But unofficially, she asked me to do it. And what if you needed to show paperwork? If anyone asks, I say I'm there for reconnaissance only. Or I show them any document in English when I know they're Spanish and don't understand what it says. I see what you mean about being sneaky. Another good tactic is that if you pull alongside a ship and a Spanish voice asks you who you are, you get a member of your crew with good Spanish to reply that we're a Spanish ship. Always fools them. As long as you remember to remove the English flag, presumably. Yeah, and the licence plate. Okay, uh, let's move on. Um, uh, what are these empty chests for? Someone could seriously stub a toe. Oh, I, I meant to remove those. We don't need them on this trip. They're to hold treasure. Treasure? Like treasure treasure? Like buried treasure? And a treasure map? If it's buried, it requires too much effort to get it. We just steal it from other people. The Spanish, mainly. But that must be very dangerous. I worked out a better way. A less confrontational way. Why doesn't that surprise me? The town of Nombre de Dios was the treasure house of the world. But it wasn't fortified. What do you mean, treasure house? All the treasure from South America ended up there to be packed onto Spanish ships, to be taken home. Some even sailed directly there to offload the treasure, only for it to be packed up again for a ship heading home. So you stole it before it could get back to Spain? I came away with so much treasure that the equivalent would have taken six return slaving trips. This was much more lucrative. I became a rich man. Oh, uh, really? Of course, that inspired others to do the same trip and it started an English age of piracy in the Caribbean. Until they improved the fortifications. Correct. So I changed tack. If we couldn't take the treasure after it had arrived in Nombre de Dios, we would steal it on its journey before it arrived at the town, on land. But after a while, that became too dangerous too. Did you not do a risk assessment? I'm going to ignore that. They're invaluable, you know. Let me tell you about valuable. We plundered a Spanish ship, and it took five boats to load up the treasure. It was half the total annual revenue of the Crown. Whoa! A lot of what was on board was unregistered. When I got back, the Queen asked to see me. Were you in trouble? Well, I'd removed £10,000 worth of plunder for myself before it was registered in England. But I thought it was okay because it didn't officially exist. Hey? Its owners had tried to avoid duties by shipping it unregistered. The Spanish knew we had a large amount of unregistered loot, but couldn't put a figure to it. But it came to about £264,000. So did they punish you? I was put in the tower for a bit. Alright, I'm going to skirt over that. Uh, let's continue. Um, so, uh, where are the lifeboats? What happens if you start sinking? We swim. With no buoyancy aids. We've already established that. I mean, to be honest, it's a great way to get rid of a ship you don't need anymore. What the what now? At Cartagena, I couldn't man two ships at the same time, so I decided to sink the weakest. Sink it? Yes, except there was a small problem. 
it wasn't insured? My brother was the captain of the one I wanted to sink, and I knew he'd never agree to it. So what did you do? I summoned a carpenter and begged him to secrecy. I told him to bore three holes into the hull and place an object in front so that the water wouldn't fill too quickly. <laughs> Who was this guy? I mean, why don't carpenters have morals anymore? I sailed over and shouted to my brother, asking why she was so low in the water. He realised that the boat was filling up. I offered to help, but he refused. No love lost there, then. Not surprising. Anyway, eventually the water won, and we transferred everything onto my ship, and then set fire to his ship. You don't talk at family gatherings, am I right? Don't make an enemy out of me, let's just say that. <sighs> okay, um, moving on. Now, one of your responsibilities is to make sure that everyone under you is aware of all the health and safety risks. Are you a good communicator? I mean, the trip through the Magellan Strait was challenging. What do you mean, challenging? So I'd built my new flagship, the Pelican, and I'd recruited 160 men for the trip. But they were all under the impression that we were going to the Mediterranean. Why did they think that? Because I told them that. They wouldn't have signed up if I told them we were going somewhere hazardous. Oh, there are so many health and safety laws about that. Uh, hang on. Didn't they realise when you turned right towards America instead of left towards the Med that you were lying? We had other things to worry about, like that Thomas Doughty. And who's he? He was an investor on the trip and was on board. He started throwing his weight around and bad-mouthing me. He refused to help or do any work. Well, I don't like the sound of him. The crew began to split in two, either supporting me or him. So I knew I had to step in. What happened? Well, we argued, and then I struck him. I ordered him to be bound to the mainmast of the ship, and I conducted a trial. I forgot Doughty was a lawyer by trade. Oh. Didn't work, though. He was sentenced to be executed, but he was very nice about it. Before he died, we had dinner together. I... I think I'm actually speechless. That's a first. So... We sailed through the Magellan Strait, and it only took 14 days. Magellan took 37. We realised that the strait isn't a passage between two continents. Oh, really? I think they'll name a body of water after me. Drake's Passage. Sounds good, doesn't it? Oh, you mean for the water between the tip of South America and the tip of Antarctica? Got home and thought Pelican was a stupid name for a ship, so I renamed her the Golden Hind. Oh, that's a much better name. The Queen thought so. She knighted me on the day she came to visit. She ordered the ship to be brought ashore and placed in her arsenal near Greenwich as a curiosity. Oh. Well, hope they worked out the safety arrangements for the public. No, actually. We brought the ship to Deptford for the Queen's visit and loads of members of the public turned up as well. Why don't I like the sound of this? After she crossed the plank onto the ship, it collapsed under the weight of the people following her. A hundred people fell into the mud below. Luckily, no one was hurt. Ah! Oh, if I had been in charge, that would never have happened. She lost her guard that day as well. I thought it was a come on. I don't think you're her type. Anyway, a wall was built around the ship, but I think dry rot is now set in, so goodness knows how long she'll survive. Oh, heavens! 
I've not even checked for dry rot yet. We need to go downstairs and look. Or we could have a glass of something and a, a game of bowls. What, what do you think? Next time, it's Edmund, Spencer and the fairy. Oh, can she grant wishes? The Lost Text of History podcast is a Synth 79 production. If you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to get more episodes. To fact check what you've heard on this person, visit our website, losttapesofhistory.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at Synth79P and use the hashtag Lost Tapes of History.